This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selke, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, where we are in season five entitled Mindset for Execution. I am so excited about our episode today. We are going to have the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame football, Mr. Clark Lee, joining us to really talk about applying a championship mindset for execution, both for him as a high-level Division I college football coach, but also for his players and his experiences that we've shared together over our going into our third season together here with Notre Dame football, the things that he's learned, the things that he's seen his players learn, and how he and they are applying it to show up and deliver their best on a consistent basis. So here at the Selking Performance Group, we are all about helping individuals, teams, and organizations really understand and leverage the power of mindset and leadership. And we do that from the locker room to the boardroom. So from the sports space to the business space. And one of the roles that I just feel honored and privileged to, to experience is being the mental performance coach for Notre Dame football. And so again, thrilled and excited to welcome Clark Lee here with us today to hear and learn about from his perspective, a mindset for execution. Clark, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm super excited um, to to really dive in with you today and learn about how you've developed and applied this mindset for execution. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is starting, you know, every week we come back after a week of the game and Coach Kelly kicks off a Well Better Learned. You know, we've talked about using the Well Better Learned framework to help um, address or analyze our players. So I want to start with you today, a Well Better Learned from last season. So if you could just give us one thing that from the mental perspective, Perspective, you think we did really great as a team or as a defense. Um, one thing that you know you want to do better this year, and one thing you feel like you learned about about your team. Let's let's start there. Well, I think um, just in terms of you know reflecting on the season and, and what we did well, and, and in particular, you know from year one to year two, um, just just the emotional control on the sideline. I think just how we managed, you know, both both good and bad emotion. You know. Um, when we were having success, periods of success, or you know, when, when adversity struck, you know, and you can go back to um, the USC game and, and and early on in that game where we were taking on water and, and struggling to, um, you know, just to, to execute on a, on a base level. You know, the the players really really um, relied on the mental training that that we had um, you know instilled both as a as a unit but also as a, a program. And we're able to navigate those situations just so much more clean. And, and, and I feel like ultimately, you know, when you have a year in the regular season where you go 12 and 0 and, and you know, 12 and 1 uh, for the season, you have to have the ability. You're not always going to be at your best performance physically, you know. And so, so much of it sometimes is just finding a way to win. And, you know, maybe 75% of that is about how you handle both success and, and adversity, you know, over the course of a game. So that would be the. One thing we did well. Um, what we can do better, you know, I feel like with respect to how we teach and how we we coach our players um, on defense, you know, 
looking for ways to engage them in more in more broader based conceptual ways. I mean, you know, I think it's it's one thing for them to know their responsibility. It's another thing to understand their responsibility as it, as it fits in the whole. And I think one thing they they uh, desire, and, and this has been communicated, is just just um, you know not just always meeting as a position group, but you know, meeting as a back seven or meeting as a front seven or tying, um, you know, those those pieces and parts together in preparation um, so that there's a mastery, there's an, a, a deeper understanding of what we're trying to accomplish defensively. I think reflecting back on the Syracuse game, you know, we, we spent more time that week in, um, particularly as a back seven, in understanding how our, our you know, box spacing was going to influence um, the play menu and you know what we saw on Saturday reflected like a really really deep understanding of what we were trying to accomplish and so I think finding ways to do that um, you know will be will be critical to, to our, our moving forward and then I want to just yep. jump in there for a second too because what I what I love about the staff here is just the willingness and the openness to hear what players are thinking and feeling and experiencing um, and give them the opportunity to voice that but then apply what we take away so you know going into our bye week last year we literally sat the each group down in their SWAT teams and said let's stop start continue what are things that we need to stop doing because it's not helping us be successful? What are things we need to start doing because we think this will help us be successful? And what's something that we're doing that we need to continue doing because it's helping us be successful? And that came out of that exercise with them is like, hey, can we do more walkthroughs as a defense? Can we meet in in front seven, back seven in a bigger unit to understand? And you guys started doing that towards the second half. And so being able to do that more and more intentionally going into this year, again, just for our listeners out there, right? A mindset for execution, when you're talking about a team, it's not always coming from one person or from the top. There's a lot of great insight that you can generate and garner from those that are literally in the trenches doing it on a day-to-day basis. You know, it's it, it, honestly, it's as a coach, you know, you experience this. Um, you, you have two ways you can approach your players. One is you can kind of close the door and just hope that everything's okay behind it. And the other is you can open the door and, and, um, and, and figure out what it is that's behind it. And, at the end of the day, I think that exercise, stop, start, continue. I think you know, um, just the mandate from from our program to to engage our players, and we you know we are fortunate here to have really smart, sharp uh, men that are that are in this program. Um, but you know, you as a coach, you have to understand that there's only so much you can do, and and it, it's the game is going to be played by the players, and so creating an environment where they are um, comfortable and confident, where they're learning and growing, where they're engaged at a level that is exciting to them, um, that invigorates them. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the most critical thing we'll do. And, and so certainly that feedback is, is, um, is not just constructive, but I think imperative. Um, and then as far as just what, what <clears throat> I learned from last year, I think just in a, in a broad stroke way, like it works. I mean, it works. It works if you invest in it it works if you um stay consistent and, and, and that it is is just um it's just drilling down on on the the mental capacity of your players it's it's pushing them to understand and have awareness of of the emotions they experience play and play out it's it's constructing um responses to adverse situations and and um and in training them in ways where you know they have they have um they have defaults for for negative situations, and it works if you spend time to it, and if if, if you yourself are attentive to it um, in in your own world. 
Um, and, and I think what we saw last year was a spirited group that, that believed in the process, that believed in what they wanted to accomplish together and that went at it. And so in some ways, year two is going to be a drilling down on that and, and trying to take those commitments a little further, a little deeper. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think it gives a really good insight to our listeners. Just again, that mindset and heart set of that 2018 team that did go 12 and 0 and 12 and 1 on the season. So, you know, Clark, you naturally and intuitively coach in ways that we talk about a lot, which is the positive coaching, demanding, not demeaning, right? Building relationships and letting that be the foundation. Um, coaching the mental game, right? Coaching that 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 uh, discipline and approach and preparation. What were your thoughts, though? So you came here as a linebackers coach from Wake Forest, um, and and now in year two of going into year two of defensive coordinator for Notre Dame football. What were your thoughts when you came here and learned, like, wow, we we have a specialized person here coaching uh, the mental side, a mental performance coach, and we really place a lot of emphasis. What was that like for you as a coach coming in into Notre Dame? Well, you know, it was it was exceptional because, <clears throat> and obviously you've experienced this because I don't, uh, I'm. I'm constantly uh, pulling at you and asking you and ha- sitting down with you to pick your brain. But for me, you know, you have all these things as a coach that you that you come to have conviction in and you believe in. Um, and, and, you know, you you have a sense for what is required to, to develop players in a holistic manner. And yet you never have anything scientifically that, that points you in the right direction. And I think having a, a mental coach is a resource for me, you know, and I know it's a, obviously it's an incredible resource for our players, but um, talking selfishly, I guess, you know, it was, it was a way for me to, to, to have a, a, an objective opinion on, you know, the manner in which we were going about our day-to-day business. Um, you know, having you sit in on our meetings, um, um, watch practice, see the interactions, um, steer those interactions in a way, or, or help me understand and conceptualize. You know what, what actually a, a player is is hearing and what he's perceiving, and you know it, it just this is a relationship business. It's 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 all about um, that 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 circuit and that cycle between you and your players. And I think having someone that can can be a fly on the wall, can experience that, can give feedback um that it, it, it's backed by science i mean it's just it's just an incredible resource for a coach and so i was thrilled and obviously have not been shy to to use it and and it's helped yeah, it's awesome. I've really, it's been awesome building a relationship with you and getting to know you better and know your heart and your passion for loving on these guys and building great young men through the sport of football and seeing you on a day-to-day with them and challenging yourself. I mean, everything that you put out to them to, to learn and to grow and to get better and to be more intentional at building your craft. I mean, you live and breathe. And so the number one thing, right, for coaches is that we model the behaviors that we demand from our players. And I think that there's there's very few people that do it better than you. I and so, that. yeah, it's uh, it's fun to see. And like you said, get to see it on a daily basis. I think, you know, a lot of people are wondering, okay, well, what does a, what does a mental coach look like? What value can they really bring to a program? And so not, not just for me or for Selking Performance Group, but we, there's a lot of great professionals across the country um, that, that are doing mental performance work. What are some of, I mean, you've mentioned just, just briefly some of the value that you think this role can bring an organization from a, a sport organization. Any other things? thoughts about so encouraging others who might be playing with this idea of do we want to bring somebody in this role the value that you've seen it add to a program yeah it's um you you know there's so much under the surface and 
as far as you know, the 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 team, um, the organization, um, you know, it's a, it's a living and, and breathing organism, right? And so um, everything matters. Every every word spoken, um, every every you know um, relationship within that organization is is critical to the success of the whole. And to me, you know, we have so many situations where something may be said or a player may experience something or there, there may be a piece of adversity that's being handled within the program and, and yet there's no long-term perspective on what that moment is going to signify um, or how it'll play out you know, over time. And I think having someone in the role of, of mental coach, um, you know, and again, maybe this is more broad-based, but not only helps individuals within, but it also is someone that can give perspective on um, the significance in those moments, and you know, you you experience as a coach, um, you know, just a, 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 an incredible amount of decisions on a day to day basis. Decisions from a personnel standpoint, decisions from um, you know, um, program standard standpoint, um, how you address something, uh, when you address something, and that that you know, those decisions, um, you know, on the whole, or or outside of the the playing environment. Um, and so, you know, having someone in place that that you can you can use as a resource to navigate that, to negotiate that, to understand um, the time and the place um, strategically, <clears throat> to me is an incredible advantage. And I think when left to our own devices, you know, we 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 have you know marginal success at at really maximizing those moments for a program. And I think um, you know when we can lean on someone who has expertise, that's that's um, that's really you know um, built to um, understand the importance and the significance of the moment. I think that's that's all the better for everyone. And I just want to highlight too. I think another critical component, and and I appreciate that. I think you said it really well. I think the important thing for all practitioners out there that might be listening is just the level of trust that it takes to be in that role as well. You know, because you and I have a lot of great conversations, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of those details aren't necessarily communicated. But some of the information that is shared in these conversations gets communicated, whether that's to other coaches or to players. And I think the players sense that too. You know, they they know that if they're talking and processing about stuff with me even about you, right? right. Um, that that it's not going to come back to you in a way that could ever hurt or undermine them, but rather that they trust that that communication is going to get shared in ways that will protect them and be good for them. Right. It's very easy as a coach to be defensive, to be defensive of turf, to, um, you know, to, again, to shut off, you know, this, this resource of information, which is your player who... Is experiencing you in a way that you know, unless you have just incredible mirrors, like you're just you're just completely unaware of. And um, trust is a huge part of that. You like you want for your player to have a place to go where they're feeling uneasy or uncomfortable, or if there's something hindering their performance, or if there's something that their coach is doing that they don't agree with. And and, and I think as a coach, you have to understand immediately that. Um, there, there is an element of intimidation that your player is going to feel innately. I mean, just just from the from the jump, because um, there's a whistle around your neck. And I think as a coach, the more you can pull that whistle off and and really relate and level with them and engage them, you know, um, in a way that you show that you're willing to listen and hear them and, and process what they're saying. I think that that enhances that relationship. But until you get to that point, having that that person that is objective, that's that's you know, doesn't have um, a vested interest in any way, shape, or form. It's just there for their development and their well-being um, to serve as a 
an, an outlet for, for your players. And then also someone who can, without, um, you know, uh, compromising the confidence of the, the player, but, you know, can, can steer your, your environment as a coach in, in a direction that's healthy. You know, I think that's, again, you can't place value on that. Yeah, I think that I, it's an honor and a blessing to work with you guys because not all coaches are, like you said, um, humble enough and, and confident enough in their own approach to you know manage that turf, if you will. And so Coach Kelly has been incredible about that. He's like, I don't want you to tell me things that you shouldn't. And, and I've been around coaches where they'll say, you have to tell me who said that or you don't have a job. And I'm like, that's fine because I won't have a job then because I won't be effective in the role that you want me. And so, you know, from Coach Kelly to you to the other coaches that we've had, it's been so cool to work on a staff that literally the the sole purpose is to get the best out of every single individual and not just for the program's sake, but for the kid's sake. You know, mm-hmm. you want them to be successful on the field, in the classroom, in in you know, in our community, and and this is a variable that goes into that of having that safe place. And I think now, I mean, I'm even seeing, like you said, with the players going into year three, they they are having a greater trust in being able to come to you, right? right. And that's hopefully where that evolves. That there isn't a need for that place, and the coach can be that that safe place, and they feel totally confident that there won't be negative repercussions um, in their playing time or in you know that relationship if because you have built that trust. And right. so it's neat to see that manifest. So so we've talked a lot about sort of high level cultural trust relationships. Let's let's dive down a little bit even more into this mindset for execution. And and let's talk about it from the player's standpoint first and then from you or the coach's standpoint. What are some of the specific things from a mental performance standpoint that you have seen our players really come to lean on in terms of driving their ability to execute in the moment, particularly when it's hard, that, that you feel like they've learned or grown in from a mental standpoint? Well, I think, you know, you see this kind of fleshed out in, in a number of areas, but you know they they have been. There's a greater awareness to what their process is, what their routine is, and um, it's almost like um, um, an environmental awareness of what what it's going to take for them to 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 get to that moment, right? And I think just spending time and talking to them about um, you know what are the things, and we do it every week, right? It's it's you know here's how the next three days are going to play out for you, and this is. You know, these are the the specific situations you're going to be in as you as you um, work towards the the moment the ball's teed up and kicked off, and here's your thought process as you go through that, and and creating trigger points for them where they mentally can lock in, right? And I think that's been just a huge um, benefit to us as a football program is is kind of creating walls, creating spaces for competitive excellence, and not. Um, and you know, go, you know, when you've shown a map of campus and you've talked about this is your mindset when you're, you know, in transition. But as soon as you walk in this building, you know, it's about being locked in towards the purpose. I think for everyone, me included, you know, so much of my um, success, both personal and professional, as well as my failure, both personal and professional, is when I don't properly um, fence in. You know um, the environments that I'm I'm in. So, for example, if if I'm experiencing something at work that is is creating anxiety for me, and I carry that home, um, then I'm going to be you know detached from my family, and and that's going to 
set in course all types of things that I, I have zero interest in experiencing where your children feel a distance or your spouse feels a distance. And I think um, without an awareness of what's actually bothering you, without an awareness of what you're dealing with at work, um, you know, you, you, it's very easy to, to, to go home and carry it with you in the, in the, in the same way in reverse. I mean, um, within the program, if, if you're dealing with an issue with a player, and you don't isolate that or insulate that or insulate the rest of your unit from that experience, you know, or, you know, let's say for me as a young parent, you know, at home we have a long night with, you know, sick children, um, you know, to be able, once I walk in the door to leave that, you know, and leave that in focus and, and give the, the players that are in our program what, what they need from me to be successful. I mean, that creating a boundary, I think, is so important, and I think it's something that's helped us a ton. And the other thing I would say is just the emotional control piece. Again, um, you know how our guys compete, how they handle uh, failure. Um, you know, to me, there's nothing uh, more impactful on performance because we play an eighty snap game. We don't play one snap, and. So if you allow for one snap to then you know unravel the rest of the game or to to bleed into um, the performance in the remainder of the game, I think you know again you're 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 missing your opportunity. You're missing your opportunity to to, uh, to move on. And um, you know I, I, over the last couple of years, the the what I've experienced here and seeing that transformation within our program and, and the focus on things that really matter the most, right and just this this stripping down or the trimming of the fat emotionally play and play out allows them to focus the energy and emotion on what it needs to be focused on and that's ultimately winning, winning the game or you know being being present in the moment where they're needed most and those also by the way to me are the are the um, the, the, the significance of what we do here is in creating awareness of those controls because that is what will guide these men in their lives beyond uh, football. So That's powerful. I mean, and, I, and it is so fun to see them, you know, just learn to show up consistently at their best, even when things outside of whatever world they're coming into or out of, whether that's school, right? You know, okay, I had a long day of class. You know, can I shift my focus and attention and walk in this building and be present, right? right. And if I've got only 80% to give, I'm getting 100% of that 80%. Right. You know, and I think that it's awesome to see that because you know, like you said, that's equipping them to be excellent and to execute at whatever they choose to put their hand to in life because it's hard. Right. Like life's hard. Right. The best of the best, like know how to freaking show up that's right. when stuff's hard. Yeah. And 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 that's what I think makes a champion. And it's so fun to listen to sit in your meetings and hear you just demand that of them. Yeah. You know, and what I think is so powerful about you in front of them in those meeting moments, right, is your vulnerability. I mean, you tell them, like, listen, guys, I was up all night. Right. C three was sick, right. throwing up, I didn't sleep. Right. Like I don't feel good right now, right. but I'm here with you, yeah. and and it's so awesome to see that vulnerability and them learning how to process emotion as a man in a healthy way that allows them to be real with emotion, recognize emotion, mm. and yet show up despite whatever right. emotion that might be. You know, it, it, it's funny because I think that um, what you want. Yeah, 
when I was first in coaching, it was so important for me to create this wall. And part of it was just being young and wanting to make sure they knew that there was an authoritative figure in the room, honestly. And I think there was, you know, it was necessary to do that. I, you know, I don't, I was 24 and my fifth year senior linebacker was 22. I mean, we, I had to create some semblance of division, but, um, you know, you want them to know that what they are experiencing, they're not going to leave, um, you know, um, at school when they graduate, that it's going to be carried with them. And that's why it's so, that's the only reason it's important. I mean, we, we are dealing in a game and ultimately you're trying to create this, this environment where it's standards over circumstances. And that's, what's going to make them better husbands and better fathers and better members of a community. Um, and, and I always say this too, selfishly. I mean, these, these guys that we're handling every day that we're dealing with and building relationships with, they're going to form the world that my children um, thrive in. And so, you know, I want to make sure that um, I'm giving everything I have to the things that I feel like are most important. And the other thing I'll say too, that's been a lot of fun is, you know, when, when we, you talked about coaches needing to model. um, And and I think that vulnerability is an important part of that. You know, I want them to know some of the coolest moments I've had with players is when I've, whatever circumstance they're going through um, that I've, I've shared with them my experience with that specific circumstance. Cause you know, a lot of the things that these guys are dealing with, I too dealt with when I was, you know, in my early twenties and they look at me and see someone who um, has, I shouldn't say few flaws, but you know, at least is on a pedestal of, you know, Hey, this is what, um, you know, it means to be buttoned up every day, right? They don't realize that I too had my moments where I made mistakes. And, you know, when I shared that on a personal level with them, it, it really just, it, you, you can almost see the, the stress and pressure relieved because they understand that there's no judgment. It's not about being judgmental. It's about how we can carry on or move forward in a manner that protects their long-term vision for success. And, um, in so many ways, I want these guys to be better than I was, and that's you know hopefully my gift to them. But the cool thing is when you start seeing, or when when your players start delivering back to you the things that you talked about to them. So um, when they can, when you, when maybe you're having a weak moment and you're you're complaining about something, then they tell you, hey, don't be a victim. You know that's a neat experience because you realize that that they're hearing what you're saying. You know, and and. Um, and just as they're expected to protect those standards, so too are we. Um, and so it's been a fun, fun transition, fun evolution here. So even within what I just heard you say, right? Don't be a victim of circ- uh, standards over circumstance. Like those are things that you say over and over yeah. and over. And what do we know, right? Repeated thoughts build mindsets, mm. patterned ways of thinking that dictate and determine how you show up into different moments, right? And so what you are doing is literally wiring their brain for excellence. And mm. and that takes consistency of messaging. And so, you know, it's frustrating to me sometimes when I hear coaches like the message is different every week, mm. right? And then every year it's a different thing. You know, it's it's about consistency and about repetition. I have the extreme fortune of being really good friends with a lot of guys that played for Coach Holtz. Mm. And it's so funny to like listen to them all talk because they all say similar things. Right. You know, um, Pat Terrell told me that every day coach would walk out to practice and he'd say, gentlemen, it's a great day to work. You know, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, every day I heard that from that little man. Right. He was like, but now, you know, I'm on my third, you know, he played in the NFL for 10 years and he was an airline pilot for 10 years. Then he's a CEO of his own company for 10 years, husband and a father of five. Like, 
every day he wakes up, he thinks to himself, it's a, it's a great day to work. Right. You know, that's a mindset that he's built because coach said it every day. So the things that you're saying every day right. to these guys, yeah. they're going to, that's going to carry on with how they live as men. And it is, it's incredible. No, uh, it, And I think too, just as you as you were talking, I, this is something that I spend a lot of time on personally and then, you know, in, in conversation with, with the players. But, you know, you live in these four-year cycles for so long where it's elementary school, it's middle school, it's high school, it's college, and you naturally reset and, and you're invigorated because what, what is coming next is new and exciting. And and then all of a sudden you realize once you, once you leave college that you're not going to reset. I mean, that this is it. And what you're left with is what you've built. And and so when you talk about those consistent mindsets, I think um, though at times they may not have complete meaning when you're in the seat of a player, um, they will have meaning, you know, six, seven years out, 10 years out when, again, you're struggling to find purpose because nothing is resetting for you. Um, it's not that you're in a bad spot. You need to reframe how you're viewing that spot. And so sometimes those will be the calls you get back from a player, you know, 10 years um, after maybe that you interacted with them. I, I get it now. I understand what you were saying now. And um, if you have a different message, if you're, if you're sporadic in the way you say things, I think that, you know, it's just like, can you do one thing a million times over a million things one time? And, you know, for me, um, I want them to know when they sit in the chairs that like, we, we are going, it, the message is, I'm so convicted that this is the most important thing you're going to hear, that you're going to hear it every time you sit in that seat. And I think they come to understand that the reason this isn't changing is because there's value in it. And you know, I think that's an, an impactful way to, to teach. You and I have had some good conversations too about, oh, do you think we should really put that out there or say and do this and 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 around the point of, do you think this is the right thing? And you're like, yes, I do. Well, then screw what they might think or feel right. about it right now. If they think it's cheesy or corny or or <clears throat> off or what, it, because they're they're 18 to 20 years old. Right. You know, like you're the coach, you're the leader, you're the parent, right? Like, can you know what's good for the the people in your span of influence five years down the road? Right. And regardless of how they might perceive it in the That's moment, right. have the courage to show up and be the leader, right? right? And we all, you know, we need that reminder to ourselves sometimes because like the world is full of average. Right. And if we know what can get out of the rut of average to the level of champion, then then we have to expose them to that, right. you know? And I and I've loved like just being a part of a staff and a group of people that are that are willing to like do things that are different and and that really challenge towards excellence and championships versus you know, staying in the the comfort of average. No doubt, and you know it's it's funny because I always say that as a coach, your only value is how far you can impact your players, and so you know you can't. It, it, that doesn't mean that you know to be heard, you have to be necessarily positive all the time, or or or, or in, you know encouraging, yes, but um, celebrating, or you know you have to be able at some point to identify deficiency and. So much of being able to do that in a really uh, real and piercing way is the packaging um, that that comment comes in. And if if it's emotional, um, then it's it's not going to be heard. If you can if you can tamp down your emotion and and in those moments where you have something that's really really hard to say, 
you can say it in a manner that is stripped of all the excess and just it, it you know it has the ability then to pierce the ego right um, and so you know that's been that's been a, another part of you know just this experience where you know we we've 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 come a long way in two years the environment we stepped into was was one that needed to change and you know coach Kelly's done an amazing job amazing job in, in kind of steering the ship in the direction with your help and um, but but yet um, there were behaviors there early that that needed to be redirected immediately and so um, you know it's not about yelling and screaming that it's about having conversations with two capable minds to say this isn't good enough this is why this is where we got to get better and you know, I think um, when you can do that, then you're going to create buy-in from the other side. Yeah, that's powerful. Let's move into you personally, and let's take it, narrow it down to a game week. How do you go about your mental preparation for execution? So if game day is the moment of execution, what's sort of your own process to get in that right mindset? I, th- I think um, a, b- a big part of it for me is routine. And so and it's not necessarily even like um, you know um, tapping the door frame when I walk in the office or anything like that, but just more these are the things you know that I'm going to have to do on a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so on and so forth, up until the the, um, the point the ball's teed up. Those can be um, both um, you know w- things I need to do from a working standpoint, but also um, spaces I need restorative niches that I need to cr- create. Um, that allow for me to to get away from work too, and if I can stay in that routine um, and, and and really pay attention to both, right? Because again, I will I will inevitably bog down if if I spend a hundred percent of my time in preparation for the game. I will I'll be a mess by Saturday. Um, so it's it's those recovery points too. I think as a coach, that are so important. How we sleep, um, how we interact with our family, and creating time for that. And, and one thing on the side. You know, one of my favorite parts of working for Coach Kelly is that I never have to um, uh, ex- explain, you know, my role as a husband or a father. I mean, he is so allowing of our families to be in this building, or you know, with my kids going to school down the street. Hey, I'm I'm breaking away in the morning to see them at at drop off because you know I didn't see them last night when I got home, and I think that's so important. Um, the, the other thing for me too is, and, and maybe this is just the way I'm wired, but like we don't avoid the things that give us the most anxiety um you know i I have to delve into that stuff if it's you know and i'm talking maybe more specifically about certain plays or certain things that you've seen on film that that no structurally give you give you issues we're not gonna just turn turn away from those and we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about them as a staff and then and then practicing them them too and and for me it's it's as you as you narrow the week down it's not necessarily like being comfortable in your execution on Thursday. It's, you know, have you, have you put them in all the positions they're going to need to be in um, so that they can have success on Saturday? And so, um, for example, in the Michigan game last year, um, realized going into Thursday practice that we hadn't thrown many double moves at our secondary and, 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 and then also trick plays. And, we go out on Thursday in the first period, it's like three or four double moves um, and trick plays, and they all went for touchdowns. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, what have I done? <laughs> because I didn't want to strip their confidence, but I also didn't want the first time 
for them to experience the ball going over their head to be on Saturday. And, you know, after the first period where, you know, I had really, really challenged them and um, presented some adversity for them, I kind of went to the the corners, which was the group that I was picking on in particular. And I said, hey, look, you know, there's, there's two reasons this is important. One is because, you know, you need to make sure that snap in, snap out, you have great eye discipline and you have awareness that these plays exist. Two is... Um, you're going to give up a deep ball on Saturday. It's going to happen, and no one's mad at you for it. And it's how fast can you recover from that to play the next snap? And and once I kind of settled myself down and 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 you know in settling myself down, found that message. You know, I think that practice had a lot of meaning to us, and I think it it allowed for you know um, uh, better play on Saturday, and and you know more than anything else, a quicker reset button when those those uh, plays of adversity happen. Dive a little bit into that. Had to reset yourself. How do you reset, right? Because that happened from the span of you seeing it unfold to the time it took you to walk into the presence of those players that are probably halfway across the field. How do you reset in that moment, personally, Clark? You know, I, I think um, it, it's it, it for me personally. It's it's about like um, kind of drawing in. Like I, I I am a processor by nature, so you know I don't. You know, like if I need to assign meaning to something, then I need to kind of like um, cut out all uh, unnecessary stimulation and just and just literally think. Um, and and so you know, in that moment, as I'm watching this, obviously the first thing I'm going to do is tamp my uh, reactions. Um, you know, because I think as as a coach and just in general, you know, your 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 knee jerk reactions usually. At least in my experience, is is wrong and it's emotional and as frustrating as it can be. I, I think for me, there's an important lesson there too because um, you know that that ultimately was my defense on display. And so, you know, can I see that thing um, um, taking on water or experiencing failure and still keep a clear head to to um, to make the adjustment necessary to move forward? But for me, it's about kind of withdrawing. It's about creating a little bit of a quiet space. And I, and I say that, I mean, obviously, I can't you know stop practice, but maybe it's it's walking, um, you know, away from the activity for a minute, and just literally like left foot, right foot, breathe until I have some clarity as to what I just experienced and how I'm going to assign meaning to it for for the players. That that's what I do, and that that could be on game day too. I mean, sometimes. Um, as there are a thousand things being shouted on the headsets about what adjustments need to be made or what people are experiencing, the ability to hit the mute button and just to just to you know breathe through and think through and process through with a clear mind, um, you know, allows for you to make the next strategic decision that ultimately will impact the outcome of the game. That's incredible. Clark, thank you so much for being here with us today. I think it was a very valuable conversation and so exciting to to get to hear how your mind processes, right? How you've learned to think in ways that drive high execution. One of the things that we ask our guests on this episode or this season is to offer your own championship mindset training to our listeners, right? So in all the past episodes, at the end of every one, we would I would give our listeners some championship mindset training, things that they 
they can be doing to build their mindset. And so I'm going to let you think about this and keep talking yeah, a little bit no, because I'm going to ask you to give something that, hey, that you think if, if our listeners start doing this, that they can start training their mindset for execution as well. So what, and you're, you, you know lots about championship mindset training. You've heard it with all right. of our you know mental performance yeah. sessions here at Notre Dame football, and you've heard all the things our guys and, and you've done to train your own mindset. What would you offer to our listeners as championship mindset training for them? Well, I think it, for me personally, and I think that the thing that, you know, for whatever reason early on in my <clears throat> coaching career, um, I experienced and then, um, you know, was kind of really, um, you know, my, my, my sense of how important it is was confirmed through our interactions and my experience here at Notre Dame. But just just the consistent repetitive statements. And I think those can be both um, personal and then also within unit. I mean, um, and, and specifically assigning responses to adverse situations and, and also situations of success. So um, for whatever, you know, and I, I guess, you know, to, to not just be football related, but whatever a coach um, fears most as they lie awake, or this, I guess, could be a business executive too at, at some level. Um, to anticipate those things, to know that they're going to happen, and to know that you know part of your long-term success has got to be unflinching in those moments. That you that you um, that you come up with something that you can say and repeat, and can be a part of your mantra that will push you through that. And and maybe to share just what we do defensively, you know. Um, we always say if we, we, we are behind early in a game, um, you know, our mindset is um, head body, head body. It's a, a boxing term that, that just essentially for them is, is just saying, hey, let's not deviate from the plan. The plan's going to work. Um, and, you know, I think within that, and I was not a boxer, uh, but um, the idea is that, you know, you can't, you can't throw a knockout punch every snap. It's got to be... Um, it's got to be at the execution of the plan, and, and that those body shots will will also soften the opponent. And you know, we talk a ton about our emotional responses um, to um, experiencing success early in a game. So uh, we talk about um, you know when we're ahead early. We used the the eighteen eighteen, which was last you know two thousand seventeen. It was the the basically the game clock, the amount of time that separated us from the playoffs. That was kind of our, our, our point um, when we were ahead early. We would be saying 18-18 to each other to identify the, the small amount of time that kept us from our goal. And, and so then you're saying that um, this game's not over and it's all about how we push the pedal down and separate. Um, you know, Those things helped us, I think, in moments where you may be searching for what the right thing to say. I think when you've already assigned those things to those moments... And, and you can, it's almost, there's a calming effect to it because it's like, okay, we've been here in our minds and now we're here in practice and what do we say? You know, head body, head body or 18-18. And what, what you realize, at least in, in competition within a game is if you're behind early, the opponent's ahead early. And if they're not able to handle that the right way, then they will open up a, an opportunity for you to... to um, to claim the victory, and then if you're ahead early, your your opponent's behind early, and if you can maintain a level of execution that is um, independent of the situation, um, you can keep your opponent 
down. Um, and so, you know, those things would be, that would be the, the maybe most impactful feedback I would give, or at least the thing I experienced that, that's maybe most tangible to help would just be those consistent repetitive statements and, and sp- specifically when they're assigned to moments of adversity or moments of success. That is powerful, and and I, we were able to witness it, right? We saw it so many times last season where, like, I'd be looking around and I'm like, guys, like, this game's going to end soon. Are we going to, you know, because there's just so, hey, head body, head body, we're going to finish this drop. Like, they just <laughs> never flinched. Right. They never looked like... They never had that oh crap look right. in their eyes right. ever. You know whether it was against the home opener against Michigan or Ball State or you right. know whatever the game was, they were yeah. just like, well, "Yeah, we got this. Right. We're prepared for this. Whatever comes their way." But it takes intentionality, it takes consistency, and that's really how you build a mindset for execution. No doubt. Clark, thank you so much for being with us. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you've been listening to Building Championship Mindsets the podcast and Excellent opportunity to have the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame football, Clark Lee, join us today and just offer and share his insights. Um, please check us out on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Selking Performance, um, on Facebook at Selking Performance Group, and on Twitter at Champ Mindsets. We love to hear what you learn, so tweet it out. Um, feel free to rate us and review us on iTunes, if you will, but but share your thoughts, give us your feedback, uh, anything that we can do to, to understand what, what were your takeaways, what did you learn, how are you applying and building your mindset for execution? We really love to interact and intersect with you there. And then go to our website too, www.selkingperformance.com. A lot of um, free articles and, and other resources for you to continue building, again, a championship mindset and how you show up every day to execute. Thank you so much for joining us on Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This has been your host, Dr. Amber Selking. And from the locker room to the boardroom, just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset.